Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropeneurs of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and showcase qualities of planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei. I'm a transformational coach, a breathwork teacher, and I'm committed to a world that allows all people from all walks of life to thrive. I'm your host and creator of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Oren Chai. Oren is committed to up-leveling purpose-driven leaders and teams. His bread and butter are human-centered design and systems thinking. Enlivened people create more consciously and they experience more flow and enthusiasm. So when we are fully connected with ourselves, we can more fully connect with and serve all of life. And so with these words, welcome to the show, Oren. Thank you so much for having me, Julian. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Thanks for pronouncing my name so nicely. <laughs> yeah, it's... It's, it's so right up my alley of, you know, being committed to up-leveling purpose-driven leaders. And so maybe let's, let's start right there with you today. Like, how would you unpack the word purpose and define it in your own, in your own kind of ways of thinking? Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is, this is very much the conversation in, in so many organizations right now where there's this acknowledgement that the generations that are growing into leadership right now have to be connected to something, have to be connected to something bigger. And so, you know, I, I speak with lots of organizations that are looking to define what does it mean to have, to have a real mission, to have a real vision? What's the difference? And then how does that relate to purpose? So what I'd say to that is there's the external view of purpose that we can look at in terms of what are some of the most pressing needs in the world. You look at the incredible work of the UN Sustainable Development Goals and the way that that frames what are some of the different ways that we can make an impact. And so I think many of us try to look at those different areas of purpose and say, uh, like working on this issue of poverty, that's something that really stirs something for me. And that's something that I want to be working on. To me, where we can continue to get deeper into that conversation of purpose is saying, is starting with ourselves. Coming back to what, what do we know about ourselves, about different experiences that we've had through our lives where we've come alive. Different experiences where we've been just in this flow state of service and this flow state of creation. And as we do some of that work and pay that attention to better understand ourselves, that's where we know, ah, like this, this path of service in ensuring that no human being is devoid of access to food and shelter, that's really important to me but what's really aligned, what really feels resonant within me and every cell in my being is supporting this shift in the way that we consume. And when I reflect on my life, as I feel into what is the body experience, what is the way I feel as I move through these instances in which 
I'm in conversation and in work around this cycle of consumption that is to me at the root of some of those poverty issues that I care about, is at the root of some of those environmental issues that I care about. To me, that's, that's a purpose that I wanna take action on. And so how can, I, how can I connect the work that I'm doing in the world to that purpose? Beautiful elaboration. I'm, I'm always so curious to hear these different angles and takes on purpose because it's it's a deep topic and you know it's it's classically just what do you want to achieve but really it's mm -hmm. i'm so resonating with what you shared how do you you know how does that connect to your work with alive and collective and and maybe share a little bit more about what alive and collective is at this point and, and what's coming through you there mm -hmm. yeah enlivened collective is is about bringing together people who are motivated to be in this conversation about what I've been calling connecting inner work and outer impact. So it's very much this purpose conversation. And it's acknowledging that in order to really to be in that space of on a day-to-day -day basis, creating whatever it is that we're working on, directing our attention toward whatever it is that inspires us, that the way we do that in the way that is a full expression of who we are and what we're here with the unique ability to contribute goes back to that notion of starting with ourselves. And so what we're doing in the Enlivened Collective is creating a space for this conversation about what is this new way of relating to the work that we do in the world? How do we even have this conversation? What's the language that we use to understand the difference between having a, a career where we're, we might be, we might very much be engaged in our work. We might very much feel like we're, we're making some sort of difference. But what I see from the clients that I work with and from the organizations that I partner with is that there's this next level of aliveness in how we create that we're ready to step into as a collective. There's this next level that comes from not only being engaged in my work and caring about it, but actually doing the work from this awareness of our interconnectedness, from this, from having uh, the space of having the collective at heart, regardless of what it is that we're doing with our hands. And so I know we, we chatted a bit about this and how, you know, this, it, whether we're artists or we're in healthcare or we're in tech or management or finance, none of these spaces are in and of themselves bad or less than or greater than. It really all comes back to how alive are the people who are doing the work in these spaces? Because when we're fully alive, when we're fully operating from this place of resonance within us, our entire experience is different. Everything we touch absorbs and welcomes some of that energy of being enlivened, of being um, in service in the way that we have come here to be. 
Yeah, being of service for our true soul's resonance. I think this is really one of the strongest kind of um, poles or attractors or magnetizing attractors in, in this regenerative uh, in this regenerative decade and this regenerative effort that we're we're kind of graduating into as humanity. And what I what I like and what I hear and what you're saying there, Oren, is that there's a lot of not knowing as part of it, right? Like when we look back at the way that classically our, our global econo economic system was structured, there was a lot of people even call it this like nine to five slavery, right? Like this, like just going and doing the thing. But really what we're looking into now is to challenge quite a bit of the thing we're doing and challenge why we're doing it in the first place. Um, mm -hmm. what do you, what do you care to share in, in that direction? Cause I know there's like, yeah. there's like a deep depth of wisdom in, in there in you. And there are so many different ways you can take that conversation. And, and it's one of the reasons why it is that important to, to have a space to engage in that conversation. But what I, what really comes up for me and is present for me around that notion of moving from this old paradigm to this new one is honoring the old one. And we, it's so tempting to be like, done, done with that old one. We're onto the new. It's, I don't even want to think about having even played a part in that old one. And again, coming back to the human experience, one human being doing their own inner work, what we know, what we understand about personal growth is that we don't want to any longer ignore the parts of ourselves that are triggered, that are hurt, that have experienced trauma. We, by being with those parts of ourselves and not only allowing them to emerge, but shifting in the way we relate to it so that we, we actually appreciate all of these different parts of ourselves that in the moment, maybe don't feel very good, but serve a purpose and have emerged from adaptive places when they emerged. And so having that same sort of appreciation that we learn to do and we learn to have and embody in our inner work, having that same sort of appreciation for our parents' generation, for the generation before, for the systems that they created from the consciousness that they were embodying, at those times and understanding that, you know, if I look at my family and I think many of us have a similar experience when we reflect is that we were in survival mode. And when you're in that place, there are immediate needs. And by the way, I want to acknowledge that there are many people in the world who are very much in that place. And there's only a certain way that you can engage with the world when you're in that space. And so honoring that the systems that we know today and that we like to, to rail against today emerged from a certain space and consciousness. And so honoring that this evolution that we've had as a collective to the same way we honor our own personal growth, the energy with which we show up to this conversation of designing the new paradigm and creating these new systems shifts. And so we don't need to 
um, cast aside what we, who we label as bad actors or who we label as people who don't get it. But we can actually see these people as parts of ourselves that were once adaptive, that were once protective, mm -hmm. that once served us and just are no longer serving us. And so we create the space to choose differently. Yeah, I like that, that you went down that rabbit hole because I think it's, it's a very important conversation to consistently make space for and understand that, you know, in, in this idea that um, some people don't get it or, um, you know, the, this is just wrong. Like there, there's just a, a few, I would see them almost like hurdles that, you know, collectively we want to overcome maybe or deeper integrate. And so for one, I think it's just super important to be able to embrace uncomfortable topics and being able to acknowledge them, talk about them, bring light to them, shine light on them, right? Um, also in the integration of action when it's time for action. But then when we look at like past levels of consciousness or past decisions that were made, like, of course, from the now perspective, when we look into the past, it, we could criticize a lot of that. Mm -hmm. But if we were not around for when those decisions were made, like, it doesn't really benefit us too, too much to hang out there and criticizing it too long. And also when this criticism comes from a perspective that, you know, Oh, they just didn't get this yet. It's, it's kind of ironic because it, for me, like, and, and I've, I've had a lot of that in my internal field that I, you know, taken out the weeds of, of what, you know, what my thinking mind would, would want to say, because we don't need a perfection picture. We don't need to pretend there is a state of planet Earth or a state of our collective or a state of a country that is better and has it all figured out. Because that's the whole point of evolution is it's an ongoing process that's being lived. And so, mm -hmm. of course, if you look in a linear time uh, backwards, you'll always be able to point your finger at a bunch of things. But really, I guess, in our efforts to become a regenerative society, there are a few topics like, uh, you know, the environmental impact we're creating, the inequality, the access to water and shelter that are really clear non-negotiables that we, we can only achieve together truly. And our systems um, that don't support that need to be challenged. But then that state of the world wouldn't necessarily be a perfection utopia that has no challenge. Like quite the opposite, I think we want contrast, we want challenge because mm. it's part of life, right? Yeah, and, and not only do we want it, but it's, it's just nature. And this is, yeah. this is one of the, the beautiful teachings of the, of the Vedas in, in this notion of the forces at play in nature always. And, and by the way, one of the beautiful notions that, that the Vedas hold is that everything, all is in service of evolution. And so when we talk about the forces of nature in, in terms of creation, maintenance, and destruction, all of these are in service of evolution. And growing up in the West, there's, there's this perception that destruction is bad, that we, we love to label certain experiences as bad or less than and certain as better than and to chase after mm. the good. And then when we get there, we hold on and we hold on as with this death grip 
to what feels like, okay, this is where I should be. This is what's good. And what nature says is, mm -mm. I'm going to bring in some destruction, make way for more creation because nature favors creation. Nature favors evolution. And so just playing with this notion of how can I ease the grip on this cycle that I move through and that we all move through and that the collective moves through and notice where, where am I holding on? Where am I seeking to maintain? And knowing that I can attempt to keep controlling, I can attempt to keep maintaining, and then nature is going to come in, bring some form of destruction to say, it's time to create. And so this is one of those things where going back to this notion of being connected to purpose and living in this enlivened way is you're living in a state of creation, of continuous creation. And it's not to say that there aren't moments in all of our experiences where we feel down or our moods shift there's the ebb and flow of nature still, but the continuous thread of our lives and the way we relate to others and the way we create in the world is coming from this recognition. I am you, you are me. We are all connected and it actually doesn't serve me mm. to accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and accumulate and hold on to that accumulation But this connection that is so um, intricately felt and embodied in, in so many indigenous communities all over the world, there's a jump from our way of operating, our way of being, our way of doing, doing, doing in some Western societies to be able to really embody what does it mean to be. What does it mean to be in this place of, of groundedness in who I am and enoughness? And this is where this really, this important conversation around self-love and self-compassion, there's criticism for, for the fluffiness of some of those conversations because sometimes we miss that it is not just about doing nice things for ourselves and taking care of ourselves. It's about and this comes to one of my favorite questions is, where am I coming from? Mm. When I'm taking that action, when I'm preparing a nice meal for myself, when I'm relating to somebody I care about with love, where am I coming from? Am I coming from a place of wanting to attain something? Or am I coming from a place of acknowledgement that that person is me from an acknowledgement that when I take care of myself and I take the time and attention to feed myself well, I'm supporting the entire collective by doing that. Yeah, I like that you went to this, this interesting concept of self-love there. Um, mm. And it, where are we coming from? with anything we create is a really good, is a really good inquiry, I guess, you know, like self-love 
in a marketing language of you know dying paradigms is like put on a face mask and turn on the tv mm -hmm. but we could see how that is maybe maybe it's needed every now and then but it's it's really is really li limiting in this idea of self-love kind of what you described right because it it could equally be like sit down and really look at what you're creating and, and really face the discomfort is also an act of self-love. It's not just a fluffy yes. kind of uh, a feel good bliss bubble, uh, good vibes only uh, agenda. Or, and I'm, I'm really curious because I know there's a lot of wisdom in you and I wanted to get to know you a little bit more and unpack kind of a bit of your story. So if you were to, you know, look at, what you just shared about purpose and, and self-love and the journey of that and and just relate this to your own life like what kind of adversity or challenge did you experience or, or some kind of example in your own life that's coming up for you to arrive in this place of clarity this place of freedom and this place of what i'm sensing is conviction like a conviction to be committed mm -hmm. to love and expressing purpose yeah, I'll share something that that came up for me this morning, kind of out of nowhere. I was meditating and this, this, these images and, and, and memories kept coming back to me from from my experience in the military. And I hadn't really thought about it in a while. I wasn't sure why it was coming back so strongly. And, and maybe this is why. And because this is that experience. And just for some back backstory and context, the reason I entered into that experience was because there was a this feeling that I couldn't shake of I cannot I cannot go the same path as all of my peers. I I, I just can't take the the journey that's been prescribed for me of you go to college, you get a great job, ideally in finance or, or medicine or engineering, and you get married within a few years, start have your first kid and so on. And then you work till you die. And I think many of us in our time relate to that and have had experiences like that. One of the things that's so interesting about being in your early 20s and determining, like, figuring out what is my identity? Who am I really in all of this? Because everyone's telling me I am something or someone, but there's this part within me that if I choose to not self-medicate for long enough, that speaks up. And my interpretation at that time with the tools that I've been given was I need to go and explore my identity in another way. And to me, what better way to explore yourself than in service? And at that time, I connected military service with the type of service that was right for me. I was very wrong about that. <laughs> and when, and I remember upon reflection, the voices that came up that said, Wait, wait, wait a second. And by the way, by voices, I mean actual physical, physiological sensations, which is one of the reasons I am as much of a proponent of somatic work and getting more connected to our bodies as a path, as, an, as interwoven with our path of inner work. 
but I can reflect and remember the times my body was saying, no, don't do it. This is not you before, during, and then finally after upon reflection, moving through the motions of first wanting to say, totally bottle that experience up and say like that didn't even happen in this lifetime. I'm gonna go and focus elsewhere to a place of, okay, I think I'm beginning to see how that actually supports me, just like all of our experiences do in showing up in this moment with a certain perspective that allows me to contribute my gifts in a way that can drive change and that can address specifically when we talk about systems, how being in the military system is this intricately woven uh, controlled experiment where when you peel back as a soldier, you can see how different teams are being experimented with different types of leadership and different teams get different amounts of resources different, they're put into different environments in different ways. And you can actually see the studying being done of how do we continue to drive more and more performance out of every soldier and every team. And what that experience supported for me was the ability to go into organizations and like that, see the experiments being done totally unconsciously for the most part, but the way these systems were in play that were about extracting as much performance as possible, but in service of what wasn't really very clear. And so you have this epidemic of, of um, systems within organizations where you have all these incredible, brilliant, driven people operating within a system where everyone's rowing in a different direction. Everyone's rowing at a different cadence. And the system supports that because everyone, because when you're individually focused on your next promotion, when you're focused on building your personal brand, which is one of my pet peeves of terms within organizations, there is an implicit trade-off of security as opposed to impact. And this is the way that most of our organizations operate today. And one of the things that we're, that one of the, the points of optimism that I have for this, the shift in this space and then the ripple effect that, this, that can happen is by individuals focusing on their own journeys and their own knowing themselves so that when you're in a system like that, when you're in that environment, you feel that dissonance and you have the, the space and the, um, the capability to take a step back and actually ask yourself, how can I take responsibility in this moment in this context that I find myself in right now to choose differently, to choose a different way of relating. If I'm a, a leader and I'm leading teams, 
how can I choose to make subtle tweaks to this system that support our collective mission and what we're working on as, as an organization, as opposed to creating an environment that encourages each individual to look out for their own brand at the expense of what it is we're all actually here to do. Yeah, that, that went really deep, man. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad we started out with like your own adversity and this, this story and the journey through the military there. Um, I have another question for you that, that, um, that might you know, dig, dig even deeper there. Oren, what does it take for you to experience trust? This is such an important question. What's coming up for me around this is when we trust another human being, when it comes down to it, it's because we sense that they trust themselves. When we are grounded in our own energetic experience, when we know ourselves and are engaging in practices like meditation, like movement, like self-care that support us in connecting with an authentic version of ourselves. People around us connect with us and trust us because there's alignment. And there's a lot of talk in scientific literature about, you know, in building psychological safety and building trust around alignment between words and, uh, and behavior and tone, et cetera. But as human beings, we are highly energetically sensitive beings. And so we can sense, just like we can sense when somebody walks into a room, how the energy can shift. When we're interacting with another person, we can sense, if I'm asking myself, do I trust this person? What I'm really asking myself is, is this person grounded in themselves? Because if the person that I'm sitting in front of is not aware of their own energetic experience, is not aware of where they might be uh, seeking to pull energy from others, then it's very difficult to trust them. So I think to me, in looking at do I trust somebody else or, or, or not, it's about how, to what extent do I feel a sense of grounding in their presence? I'll just keep coming with more questions. I, I like your answers. How do you, you know, in that experience of grounding in, your, in, in yourself, mm -hmm. in this world we're in, with the experience that you have, with the challenges we face, how do you consistently come back to choose optimism? Yes. Yeah, especially in this time, this is something that's just important to talk about. Because it's it's easy to it's easy to get sucked into the news cycle, we'll just say. And to me, when you're when you have a practice, I'm just gonna keep coming back to practice because it it, it requires in the world that we are living in 
in order to, in a sense, inoculate ourselves from the uh, pervasive way of perceiving the world, we need to have a practice of coming back to ourselves. And to me, that's the key to be tuned in to an optimistic state. Because when we have a practice of coming back to ourselves, it just all comes back to love. And it's one of those things that can be really triggering for people in the sense of, you know, it's not all love and light. And I think that's very true. There are lots of different forces at play in the world. But when we come back to this sense of stillness, we can remember this place of expansiveness that we always have access to. And we can actually begin to feel in our bodies, what does it feel like to be present here now from a perspective of infinite possibility? And that's where you're optimistic because you're returning to this place where it's like, laying down at night and looking up at the stars, dreaming like a little kid of all the possibilities. That's the state that's in us all the time that we can return to. It's why people are so um, passionate about meditation and it's why that is so transformative and how it actually can support the changing of the collective. Coming back to ourselves and by ourselves, I mean the universal expansiveness that exists within each and every one of us. And I'll, I'll just add to that, that if somebody's listening and they're especially triggered by that, or resistance comes up around that, or downplaying that that exists or that it's this spiritual concept or that, I'd encourage people to potentially see that as an invitation to explore and experiment and see. Because we're really good at leaning into uh, the growth edges and having in our society a no pain, no gain mentality. But when it comes to some of this stuff that actually requires us to do less, to move through discomfort, that we don't really have a model for. And so if there's any discomfort in doing less, in being still and being quiet, there's an incredible potential that's there waiting for you. Yeah, thank you for that invitation for everyone who's listening, myself included, and, and in yourself too, right, is to continuously expand this ability to, to be. I think, you know, there's a, there's a clue in our language. We're human beings and, um, mm -hmm. you know, we, we, could, we could take that invitation, I guess, deeper and deeper because what I've realized and I think so many of you listening are realizing in, in your own life when you act after extended amounts of time in the space of doing little or doing nothing or being simply or practicing or meditating or however this looks for you personally once you come back to action that action usually has a tremendous amount of alignment and support with it and so and we know when it doesn't 
And we know when it doesn't exactly. We can really feel that. And I've been going through this as a learning curve for the last, you know, a decade over and over when this like, I'm going to call it the Monday morning effect. It's not necessarily Monday mornings only, but when it's like Monday morning and you come back to your laptop and you're like ready to go. And then you realize that energy is not really creating any of the things you want. It's just more of like a trained practiced habit of like tackling the email and the language again shows it almost right. Or like, yeah, that kind of mindset and that kind of way of operating and everyone uh, listening will, will have their own way of relating to this. Um, for me, this is where I really clearly see that's what doesn't work anymore because it's not that it doesn't work to create results, but the quality of results it creates is simply a, there's a different resonance or nuance or energetic uh, experience to it than the quality of results we create when we come from extended amounts of stillness, extended amounts of being, extended amounts of practice or first attunement into what really wants to come through us. Yes. And that come through, coming through us is such a, such a key because that's, that's when we're talking about shifting to this place of taking action in service of the collective, this place of taking action from an awareness of our oneness, of our interconnectedness, of the web of life that we can really no longer deny as, as quantum physics you know, has the ability to now show just how connected everything is energetically. That we have always moving through us inspiration. And as the energy moves through us, and as we clear the channel for the energy to move through us, we can create things in the world that we never would have been able to even fathom when we had all kinds of noise going on internally. And so this clearing that, that, like, that receptive state and even entertaining the idea that there is more wisdom that I have access to that exists, not in here, not in my head, but out there in this collective field that we share and that I can actually be a, a, um, a transistor for that wisdom. All right, and I have one last question for you in this interview today, and that is um, regarding your dream for the earth, your vision for our species, our planet, uh, and us, us as a life form here. So the context that I wanna give you for this question is a seven generational context. So if mm -hmm. we were to zoom out on the timeline into seven generations into the future, um, you know, in other words, like what kind of ancestors are we gonna be for the future generations? What's your earth vision in that context? What's the dream that's alive within you? The dream that's alive within me is, is very simply a coming together around envisioning the answer to this question in a way that we have not ever done before. It's about coming together in order to really in, in service of, of being these 
transistors together so that we can imagine this future that's never existed. Imagine a level of peace that's never existed as far as we know. And just like the movements that are happening in the world right now that are waking up the collective consciousness around the injustice that exists, around the uh, nature of our global connectedness, by coming together to envision these things, to ask these questions, that's, that's the radical step that allows us to expand what any one person could ever even begin to imagine themselves. And so as we practice coming together to be in this conversation, to ask these questions, to stretch our thinking about what's possible, there's a way of working together that we have not experienced yet. There's a way of co-creating in a very physical sense, but also in a very collective, global, energetic sense. And so to me, it's, it's how can we hold space for that? How can we cultivate that? How can we promote the coming together around these questions? Not only to, to find the answer for it, how do we address some of these challenges that we're facing today, but how do we totally rethink where are we going? Let's let that sink in. The rethinking of where we're going. Oren, thank you so much for your time, for your wisdom, for your insights, for everything you shared on this episode. Thank you so much for having me and for creating the space for this conversation. So incredibly important. Thanks for listening. And here we are again. This is your host, Julian. I hope you truly enjoyed this episode of Green Planet and Blue Planet podcast and received some insights and knowledge for your life, relationships, and business. If you love Green Planet and Blue Planet podcast, make sure to subscribe, leave a review that really allows this podcast to reach a broader audience and share it with a friend. Let me also remind you that this podcast is currently entirely self-funded. I'm a transformational coach and mentor, a breathwork guide, and want to offer all my listeners a full 10% off my private coaching work. That is as much as $500 for a three-month program, and this discount applies for all one-on-one coaching offers, as well as some select coaching groups that I host in person. If you're curious and interested, make sure to visit the website greenplanet-blueplanet.com and click Work with Julian. Let me tell you a little bit more about my planetary purpose and leadership programs. I am committed to accelerating our human tribe, going deep into unconditioning the blocking beliefs and blind spots, enabling your gifts and clarity to amplify 
for aligned business, healthy relationships, and overall presence with life. I have worked with hundreds of people across the world, either one-on-one -on -one in small coaching groups on, online or in-person at events. It is my gift to boost authentic confidence and guide you while asking the deepest questions that get you to address your dormant potential. I am an activator and catalyst for those who are ready to step into the highest version of themselves. We live in unique times and let me tell you from experience, having a coach makes a massive difference. I specialize on supporting successful entrepreneurs in unpacking their purpose and joy of life. I do work with startup entrepreneurs and artists as well and on request, I host individual breathwork mentorships. If you want to learn more, how to support the show, or suggest a guest, you can also simply send me an email. If you want to take advantage of the offer I just mentioned and claim the 10% discount, simply book a free consultation with me through my website, that is greenplanet-blueplanet.com mentorships, and mention the end of episode discount, and I'll give the discount code to you right here, right now, it's 808. That's right, that's your code right here, right now, 808. Mention it to me in our free consultation that you can book by the website and 10% are yours. That being said, thank you so much for listening today. Have yourself an amazing day. Don't forget to hit subscribe, review the show, and share it with a friend. Mm -hmm.